Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. We are more than thrilled to have our good friend Cordell Carter joining us for this episode of Twins Talk It Up. Dave and I have both known Cordell for such a long time, all the way back to our high school days. Yes. And we're not going to tell how many years ago that was because we're all still young, but it was many years ago. we We had a great adventure. We had a great past. Cordell and I will talk a little bit later about the special project he is working on. It goes all the way back to when we were in high school singing together on the bus, having a great time. I just remember when the Lion Sings Tonight song and we were just having a blast, just getting getting in touch with our roots a little bit. So today, Cordell is actually serving as executive director at the Socrates program for the Aston Institute. This Socrates program is a forum for emerging leaders to convene and explore contemporary issues through expert moderate dialogue. He has his hands full on many, many, many projects, and he will get into it today. Not, maybe not all of it, but this guy has been involved in anything and everything when it comes to culture, education, even traveling all over the globe. We'll let him share his passion with you in a few moments. Cordell, welcome to the show. Oh, Dave and Dan, it's, it's great to see you both, and it's great to be in the show with you. Well, Cordell, it's good to have you here. We're definitely excited. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're passionate about, what you're up to now. Sure. Well, firstly, I, I should note that I'm the son of a preacher man. And so if, if you know PKs, you know a lot about uh, who and why I am. Uh, we, of course, have taken some different paths and dear old dad, I'm, I don't have his patience or his call. Um, I'm, I'm Joseph, I'm the administrator. I'm, I'm making things happen so that everyone can eat. And over the last 20 years, I've been engaged in, uh, technology, philanthropy, um, social enterprise. Um, and there are a few consistent themes. One is, is about self-improvement, learning as you grow, um, spreading opportunity to others and, um, being innovative, bringing innovative practices, um, innovating the way you think about old problems, uh, and trying to be a change agent. That those are the, the themes of my life, and it permeates all the work that I'm I'm blessed to engage in. Well, I'm really excited to have you on, Cordell. And I appreciate even how you started off by talking about being a preacher's kid. Yeah. And for our audience, they know that I'm a minister, and this is Dave, by the way, that they know I'm a minister and having my children grow up in the church and what that's like. And so it is encouraging to be able to see the way you've grown and your character, your faith, your, your vision. Cordell, you, you've been a little modest here too, because you've also, in your various roles that you've had over the years, you also served at one time as the chief of staff and director of operations for the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, it, it's encouraging to be able to see that. So tell us a little bit about a recent trip you took. You and I spoke not too long ago 
about a trip you took to Columbia, South America, and mm -hmm. how this inspired you to really want to organize an event that really came on your heart. And I wanted you to give us a little backdrop as to why you went there, Columbia, South uh, America, and why you wanted to develop this festival entitled the Afro-Latinx Festival of the Diaspora. Um, mm -hmm. I know this is still kind of the developmental phase, but tell us what inspired you, what led you down there, and where you're taking this. Sure. So the, the, the inspiration story starts in September of 2016, and I'm in China, or preparing to go to China. I experience essentially eight weeks of the fall that year, so the election and everything, uh, in Shanghai. And I uh, did not recognize the country I was seeing on uh, the television on CNN International. Uh, I was seeing people protesting the election, um, overturning cars, saying that the election was uh, unfair, was, was rigged, got to get rid of the Electoral College and uh, different things. And it, it, it was very clear to me that I was missing something, that I had been in my own little bubble, not aware of how divided the country was. And so my mind began to just wonder what contribution can I make? Um, and so I, I, I started you know, incubating this idea, you know, what tool could I create that would bring the country together? Um, uh, what, what unifying themes could we lean upon? And um, around the same time, you know, I hadn't gone back to Chattanooga, but it was pretty clear to me that I, I had to move to DC because that's where the action was. You gotta be in a room where it happens. Mm -hmm. And Chattanooga is not the room. And so I'd made plans to resign upon my return, which I did. Uh, phased out, end of the year, moved to D.C. My first week at the Aspen Institute was Inauguration Monday. Um, when I was landing, I could see the Women's March uh, uh, the, the couple days before uh, that Saturday, I believe, or that Sunday, I'm sorry. And so um, I started right in and, and I said, listen, I love what the Institute does. Uh, I am not here to just build things for wealthy people. Uh, I want to really have an impact on the country. And so uh, created a, a package of materials called Becoming an Inclusive Republic. And it's this, this, this idea uh, that there's a good story um, to be told about America. And this, this, the word becoming was important because we are on this evolutionary path, the same evolutionary path that every nation state is on. What makes us different, what makes us exceptional is that we are purposely doing something that hasn't been done before which is, you know, taking a pluralistic, uh, multi-ethnic, uh, widely geographically dispersed continental country and trying to unify it under one theme um, and take us for this, this democratic path. Uh, we are very much a constitutional republic. That's self-evident. But uh, I think there are some gems in our evolution over the last 245 years. And so it's a story of optimism. And I want people to, to have some hope and um, knowing that we may not see the promised land, but we'll be able to at least look at it from a distance and know that my, my, my descendants will, will get there. They will get to experience that. And the things that I'm doing right now are additive to their journey, right? And so ran that for three years and got some amazing funders to support the effort. Uh, started branching out on university campuses to a great deal, especially in the South and the Midwest. We were trying to hit places that Aspen typically doesn't go. Um, because of COVID, um, we had to shut down, of course, the live sessions, no more church basements and Lions Clubs. 
and the Midwest and the Sunbelt. Uh, but we, we moved online and we've been hitting up a lot of our international audiences. In the last month alone, we've done, I think I've led six inclusive republics. I've done it in Mexico, um, Bosnia and Herzegovina, the UK, uh, Romania, all these folks that want to learn, uh, the Czech Republic, they want to learn more about the American system. Nice. And, and um, specifically, uh, how we contend with these difficult issues. And so, you know, that has been great. But I'm dealing with 25, maybe 30 people maximum at any one time. And it's a wonderful day long event. And it's great, you know, but I'm trying to scale, okay? Uh, how do you do this? How do you uh, replicate this amazing feeling um, of, uh, of unification uh, via text, via this artificial universe that we've created um, for a larger group of people? And so as, as fate would have it, my, my family, my father and mother recovering from um, uh, COVID uh, earlier this summer, uh, they they want to do a bucket list trip. They want to go to Brazil. My sisters and I prevailed upon them that Brazil was not a good place to be, even if one had the antibodies, right? Which we believe they do, but who knows, right? Uh, and so we let we thought that issue was dead, and they call back. My dad says, "Well, we're going to Colombia last week of October." I said, "You know, I've been meaning to return to Colombia uh, because I've been telling them stories over the last year and a half." about the black diaspora, seeing it up close and personal and really understanding what that means when someone says, can you hear the drum? Can you hear the drum? Um, like, yeah, I feel the drum. I, she's around me. I just don't know where she is, but I feel it. I, I feel that I'm, I'm connecting to uh, my ancestors in a way that um, I haven't felt before. That's Colombia. And when you see literally double gongers for your entire family, just walking along the beach. And you're like, is that my Aunt Helena? No way, you know? <laughs> so, but it's not my Aunt Helena. It's just some woman that still speaks Bantu um, who looks just like her, just like us. And the fact that there's been so weaved into that, that country's fabric and especially that city's identity, its connection with the transatlantic slave trade, its connection with the indigenous peoples, their far-flung villages and the tips of the Amazon where they still speak uh, the original mother tongue of whatever tribe they were from. And the elders run their little city like they would have done in Africa. It's, it's just amazing. And so I'm like, that is something I wanted my parents to see and uh, to experience. Moreover, I want more people, especially uh, 40 something year old, successful uh, Americans to experience that. And so I had a, a series of conversations with convention centers, hotels, different people selling this vision of bringing together in one big event, a hemispheric gathering of uh, the BIPOC community, Black, Indigenous, people of color, uh, which is the vast majority of us in the, the Western Hemisphere, to one event in Cartagena, February of 2022. Well, we will share, um, you know, our shared culture, uh, music, history, uh, feeling empowered by the sacrifice of those that have come before us for this future in which we are the majority, uh, when the leadership will look like us of every major organization in the world. Um, moreover, how, how often do you get a chance to be exposed to 47 different markets at once? Uh, but, share, but share also your best ideas, your best and your brightest and then connect North American capital to South American visionaries and projects. 
you get a s impact. Pardon me, I, I have a beagle. She's gonna make noise. I'm sorry. Uh, my daughter's on it. <laughs> so <laughs> Finny the Beagle never lets me down. <laughs> right when I'm making a point, right? At any rate, um, but, th but this this idea of, of connecting North American capital, uh, impact capital, this seeking impact. We have a glut of capital, but too few project flow. And so we can really impact deal flow for people who look like us, uh, for companies that are looking to um, to ad be additive towards racial um, equity in our nation and the hemisphere in the world, this is a perfect opportunity. And so we're 15 months out from a week-long celebration of, of just amazing people, of an amazing culture, and a very, very bright future. So we're very excited. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Today, we'd like to thank our sponsor, AppGallup, where cloud meets commerce. AppGallup is a cloud commerce automation and marketplace platform, enabling service providers to drive revenue growth, achieve agility, and kickstart digital transformation. In fact, if you're in the telco space or you're an internet service provider, AppGallup will accelerate your time to the fast-growing cloud market, delivering all the top-selling cloud services to your customers with unified identity, access, subscription billing, and payment management. If you want to sell your cloud platform, you need AppGallup. If you have telco products, circuits, switches, hosting services, whether it's private cloud or public cloud, and you want to include AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google, you want to make sure you use AppGallup, the one-stop platform for digital transformation. Thank you very much, AppGallup. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. That is phenomenal. I think... Um... One thing we've known about you uh, all the way since high school is that you get when you get passionate about something, you carry it through. Mm -hmm. You've always done that. And to be able to say, you know what, <clears throat> if I'm going to make change happen, I got to move to the nation's capital. You, you yeah. just did it. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people when they started getting older in age, they, they get comfortable. They mm -hmm. want to sit down. They want to relax. Uh, but you went after that. You you went after the fact that if I'm going to make something happen, I have to go there. Uh, th to even go down to Colombia with mm -hmm. your family to be reconnected to the roots. This this there has been a movement uh, yeah. within the within our culture to want to know learn more, mm -hmm. to know more, because all we know is what we see, and we we don't see much. Right. We right. just don't see much. I was at the, um, this, this week we had the Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summit. 
mm-hmm. put out by the Black Enterprise Magazine. Uh-huh. And it was such a great opportunity to be there. I was a sponsor. So I had an opportunity to meet a lot of young African-Americans starting off their business. That's great. Being entrepreneurs, how do I start my company? How do I receive funding? Uh, to get access to funding is not the same. Mm-hmm. My, my friend I went to college with had an idea and he was able to get all this money for funding from the banks. I couldn't get anything. I had to do a second mortgage on my house. I had to take out the money from my equity in order to fund my idea, fund my dream. And mm-hmm. it was a great opportunity to meet so many great people. I mean, even Nick Cannon was there. We had Byron Allen that talked about yes. uh, how he became who he is today. He talked about the four D's, but everything kept going back to the central theme of we need to understand who we are. We need to understand where we came from. And I believe the work you're doing would be so much more impactful to these young individuals as well as to people our age. But it was just so amazing to hear what you're doing. You, you had this vision and, and of this Afro-Latinx festival of the diaspora to celebrate and contribute all of this that's mm-hmm. going on, the networking, the culture exchange, the artistic showcase, the culinary presentations, and, and of course, your background, education. All this putting together and this, this, this going all in your head, your heart, feeling it. Did you at one, po- on one point say, you know what? I'm not going to get overwhelmed. I'm going to make this vision a reality. And, yeah. and, and what was the next steps that made you say, okay, this is what I got to do in order to, to push it forward? What was all that? Because there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It, it is. It is. And my, my life, like you really have to be on top of your organization game where it can get very confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a consulting firm. I have multiple people engaged in that. Um, you have clients. You have to keep their work separate. You have to be thoughtful about that. Uh, you have your W-2 gig, you have to execute every single day. Um, and so, and then you have, you're, you have a family, right? Yeah. But um, the one thing about this period of COVID, um, it took me about two months to adjust um, to not being on the go. I was traveling two and a half weeks a month for wow. six years all over the world. And that was my normal. And so you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I got to make my own bed. Really? There's no one I can call for food. What was, what is this? Right. I'm cooking now. <laughs> oh, I have to walk the dog three times a day. Right. So that was a huge investment for me. And I uh, felt like the walls were closed in and then something just clicked around late May when I realized that I could be far more productive now. And, and, you know, all these people that I knew, from growing up in Southern Virginia, we're, we're dying. These these old preachers that I've known forever, and you know, my dad is telling me what's going on, and he's explaining that you never want to live with regret. That is the discussion that you have with yourself as you were in your last hours on this earth. What you didn't do, what you didn't try. Okay, and I said, listen, at my age, it is time to execute all these things I've been blessed to experience and have. Um, you know, uh, you got to bring it all together. Uh, this is how you achieve your call on earth. This is how you build legacy. And so I, I started getting some really early receipts, if you will, during this time, just me trying to be more productive. You know, I said, okay, I'm going to focus on the consulting a little bit more now that I have more time. That blew up. Okay, great. Okay, well, I'm going to um, call this investment banker back and help him, you know, close this deal. That closed. And then you start getting dividend checks for your, your I'm like, what? It was this easy the whole time? What was I thinking, you know? So, so yeah, I, I want it more. For me, 
uh, a series of, of global uh, gatherings like this, uh, there's diaspora communities all over the world. Um, I know we are all over the world because I see us everywhere. And so, you know, what would it look like to, to do 12 of these a year mm -hmm. all over the place? What would it look like to do uh, quarterly events in DC uh, where people are getting all jazzed up on a theme and, and you're featuring social entrepreneurs and the sponsors are, are meeting everything that like th this, this vision is bigger than me and I feel that it's executable. So I'm going all in on Cartagena in 2022 because I feel confident enough to say even a bad roll of the dice there is one less regret I'll have in my last days. At least I tried. And so, but, but by all um, indicators, there are a lot of people that want to try with me. And that's all I need. They just needed someone to do a vision, articulate a vision. And, you know, that's it. I said, okay, well, you won't perish for lack of vision here. I got visions for you. And so, and I do believe that is my calling, mm. to see things that others awesome. don't and, and have the ability to execute. I was uh, told by a young man, a mentor of mine who I'm still in contact with many years ago when I was at the University of Washington. He says, young man, the key to life is execution, mm. execution, execution. Mm. If you can execute, there's nothing you can't do. Right. It took me a long time to figure that out because I was thinking I was getting too caught up in the show, too caught up in the performative. And at some point, you actually have to execute. OK, you have to execute. And once you do it, it gets easier and easier. And now you have predicted abilities. Now I can tell you when someone is not going to execute. I can tell you based on how they're behaving and what they say, how they build their teams. Like you see how he's the only person that speaks can't execute. You don't trust his team. They're afraid to speak. Yeah, They're going to check and keep failing. It doesn't matter to them. It's, he put it all on him because I lived that. Yeah, I was that manager at some point thinking I can do it all. And, you know, after your third 20-hour day and you have that mental episode, you're like, okay, I need to do something different, right? And so I'm, I'm old enough now to be able to predict, to see some patterns, right? And these are patterns from my, my previous self. Yeah. And so I'm taking all of that, you know, Rolling the dice, um, but I think it's an informed roll. I know these cushions. These cushions are informed on that table. <laughs> hey, man, that's awesome. I love it, Cordell. And I, we're going to have an episode here not too long from now. We've been talking about putting a show together around mentorship and how right now in our generation of our children, we've got to really go back to valuing the role of having people around us that can help shape us, challenge us, inspire us. So I love that you were able to remember that and, and looking back and realizing that there's something there, there was something powerful. I just had to learn to implement that wisdom that was given to me. And here yeah. you are going forward and now it's coming to a full circle and you're realizing, I don't want to live in regret. I want to live with the spirit of I've done something. I've shaped the the world differently for my kids for my for the children that that i know will come after me and i love that cordell i think that's so important and yeah. it's true i remember when i was at howard university i studied out the diaspora of our people and learning how far we've been able to influence different cultures and different societies mm -hmm. and now you taking this to be more than just an idea let's let's make a passion let's celebrate the contributions of afro latinos throughout the through the power of networking and cultural exchanges. We're talking about artistic showcases and mm -hmm. presentations, educational platforms. We've got to get them together. In the room together yeah. is enough. 
they, yeah, you exactly. Know, so like magnets, they'll attract and boom, things happen. Right. Now you talked about your, your, your thought initially doing one a month and maybe even raising social awareness in let's say different communities here in the United States. How, how do you vision that going in this post, hopefully post COVID health pandemic uh, world that we're going to have? Are we talking about also doing a live virtual platform? Is this going to be more than just a physical gathering at different locations that you're going to do this celebration or how are you envisioning this? Well, I, in the post COVID world, I, I don't foresee us ever not using masks, especially in public transit. You, know, you, if you're on a plane, if you're on a Metro, you're on a bus and an Uber, you're likely going to have some type of PPE on for the rest of our lives. Okay. This episode is, has been that jarring for us. Mm-hmm. Secondly, for large gatherings, I, I suspect you'll have a dual um, purpose. You'll have a, a, a digital event for those who don't feel comfortable gathering. And then you'll have some type of um, s- social distancing in place for an in-person event for the folks that long for the human proximity. Uh, I, I've been reminding folks that when you wanna punish someone um, in prison who's already being punished, you put them in solitary confinement, which is what we've all been experiencing and so it's no wonder that people are misbehaving and acting out in ways and that same things happen on the inside of prisons. And so there's gonna be a huge demand for human proximity. As soon as people feel like it's safe, and, and by that I mean just vaccines being widely available um, and tested and proven that you know, you're not gonna start bleeding like a goat wow. after a month you know, of taking this vaccine. Um, I figure by 2022, we'll be ready. So what it looks like in my mind is one big, uh, uh, in-person event that in, in February, that every piece of it is <clears throat> videoed, uh, and and in post-production we're bleeding out uh, pieces of it, conversations, keynotes. Uh, m- maybe it's a, a, a YouTube channel, or perhaps it's uh, something else. But we'll be dripping content for essentially building up for the next year, and then evolving over time to two events. And then maybe three, like actual big convenings in different parts of the world. And then um, I, uh, I foresee it being just a series of events, uh, perhaps uh, latching on to another larger platform where you can have this really definable community of leaders of color that are uh, just prime and ready to go. They, they'll be ready. The, the headhunters will come calling and say, hey, I need your list. And I say, well, hey, but, uh, to make this a, a bankable uh, property, if you will, we, we have to um, we have to execute on that very first event. Right. And so that is pretty much all of my focus now on that event. But I, I see the content possibilities post-event, I think, are limitless. I agree. I think um, <clears throat> because I do, I've done a lot of work with nonprofits, uh, being on school boards, I actually started a nonprofit with three other friends early this year um, called the Black Channel Partner Alliance. And David and his company, of course, is a sponsor. We were partnership with Microsoft, and our goal is to uh, help African Americans build up their technology firm, create products and solutions that we're going to help them market and sell on Microsoft's storefront through the channel community and things like that. And the goal is 800 new jobs in the next three years, $100 million of additional uh, revenue being brought in through this program. That's great. And it was, it just got to the point where, man, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff going on. And we start building out this content. And you said something so key 
And I think it's going to be very crucial to the success of, of your vision coming true is that you're going to have content and people are going to want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of it. They want to be able to market to it. And, and, and that's, what's going to help fund your vision forever is the yeah. ability to have these sponsors, not only just be a sponsor, but realize that there's an ability to connect individuals to their past and they want to be a part of it. So I, I find that very phenomenal and very fascinating. Now, as you're, as you're collecting this content, I, I think you have this uh, vision and I'm not sure if, if, you, if it's possible, just expound on a little bit more where other people, everyone else around is collecting that data as well. Everyone is, is using a phone, a smartphone, some type of way to film it, to, to showcase the music. And all, they're all gathering pictures and all that stuff. Is that going to become uh, overwhelming at that point to be able to take all this data and all this information and be able to, to make sure you put in categories and put it in, in different areas? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that going to look like? Because I think as the momentum picks up, you're going to have so many willing volunteers on the street who want to be a part of this. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women. Thank you for checking out the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If you're enjoying this program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon at patreon.com slash DSB Leadership Speaking. Also, consider leaving a great rating on iTunes and comment on our other platforms. If you would like more information or would like to become a guest on a future episode, please send a message via our website, www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to create a filter in the front end. Um, there's a group uh, company I used to mentor out of Chattanooga, well, they're in Birmingham now called Mixtros, M-I-X-T-R-O-Z, some mother-daughter mm-hmm. team out of Nashville mm-hmm. that uh, created a, a software to, um, it's an app actually, so that, so you're doing a big convening mm-hmm. and, you know, there are 30 of us that went to Curtis, but we don't know that we're all there and we could like tag where you went to high school and all of a sudden, when you're in proximity to me, it'll ding say, Hey, you have a Curtis grad, you know, nice. within 15 feet. You're like, Oh, so who's this guy? I want to talk to him. So you can build community within a large anonymous gathering. And so I want to take that idea um, to the next level and, and get all the proper tags on the front end, maybe a Salesforce, maybe something else. But as people are purchasing um, the festival ticket, uh, I, I want to be able to gather all of their their preferences yeah. as much as possible so that you know when this when the dust settles and it's february 26 2022 and we're relaxing on the beach looking at the water reflecting on what we've done 
we have a trove of data that is easily categorical and we can just go through and start peeling out content, peeling out groups, putting them together. Uh, it, it, it's, it's my, my dream for data. I think it's just one of the things that we, we um, underuse the data that we already have. Yeah. I brought that up because I uh, knowing your background and even some of the history of where you've worked uh, specifically at the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation where data was crucial. It was key to key. be able to run the programs around the world. Yes. I knew you were going to do something mm-hmm. to put together a program to mine that data. Yeah. yeah. And, and even businesses today, when we think about data mining, we're thinking about uh, machine learning algorithms that are in place today. And people are looking at putting data warehouses together and ingesting data, free public data, as well as their own corporate data, and then being able to massage that data and then, and then put it to where it can be meaningful, insightful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that's so powerful. It's more powerful today than it's ever been in the, before. And with what you're trying to do and your vision, you're trying to create the, the people like myself and my brother to be able to look at that data and be able to learn more about who we are, our culture, to be able yeah. to find it, track the history, that, that story itself is so powerful. And, it, and then it helps us to connect. And that's one of the things that in the very beginning, you, said, you stated earlier, you heard the beats. Yep. Yeah. It was that one thing that drew you in. Mm-hmm. And for all of us, we need that story to help draw us in. We need yeah. that story to help us feel pride. And let's be honest, we don't, we, we don't have at times that pride because we don't know who we are. Exactly. We, we're, we're so disconnected from each other and our history that we, we think uh, everything that must be done is, is something that I'm doing for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you're in this, you know, Horatio Alger, like epic by yourself and not realizing that you, there's power to be. Uh, realize from from this knowledge of what your folks have already overcome, your connection to other people in the hemisphere around the world, uh, you are not alone. Um, yeah. So um, I, I, I just think this is a very powerful combination. Um, knowledgeable, talented people fired up for the next thing, fired up for the next role. Somebody's going to be present. Somebody's going to be CEO of NBC. Why shouldn't those people be us? So if you get enough people saying that and believing that all of a sudden the universe changes for them. Yeah. So we just have to be those trigger moments to get the universe to change for them. And I'm convinced that uh, the festival of diaspora could be that for some great folks. I mean, we, we have a few people that have already expressed interest in sponsoring, which is very positive because I, I need to spend probably about six months just recruiting sponsors and nailing down the content and then probably nine months just focus on you know the thousand people that are going to be there um uh, but it's it's, you know this is the fun part for me um selling the vision are you kidding i get to repeat this thing that's been on my heart for three years are you kidding sure let's do it right now (laughs) coffee tea water what's your preference (laughs) doesn't really i'm ready to go (laughs) exactly you know what i love cordell it's it's two things that came up because we talk about our platform and our podcast, we focus a lot around leadership and communication. And Dan has really highlighted something that you're building a story. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get the narrative out to where people can understand that they are a vital part of the story. Mm-hmm. And the challenge there, the disconnect is because we don't always understand our history. And mm-hmm. I love that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Can I ask in terms of the already sponsorships and partnerships, how do you envision the partnerships developing? Are you looking at 
minority-owned enterprises? Are you looking at trying to expand this, where we are in this social unrest? And really a lot of organizations are now looking at uh, expanding or understanding diversity, equity, inclusion. So mm-hmm. how do you envision this going here in the next uh, year and a half before this gets off the ground? Well, I, I'm looking for five uh, major sponsors, right? Uh, these are because I have five days of, of content. So that means I have five morning keynotes. And those mm-hmm. are the keynotes that I want to parse out to these sponsors. And any any company that's interested in diversity, equity, um, inclusion. I'm, I'm a belonging type. That's the word that I use, but I know people use DEI. So I say DEI and B. Um, this is uh, be an opportunity to showcase what your company is doing. The private sector is leading the the show when it comes to racial equity in this country. It's not government. Okay. It's it's not it's not even our philanthropic sector. It is private sector businesses saying this is bad for business. I often challenge people. Um, you know, in the seminars, I get to be a provocator. So I'm challenging people. I said, okay, let, let's assume that we're all proud boys and that we want a, a white nationalist state. So we want the U.S. exactly how it is, all the dynamism of the U.S., but without diversity. They say, yeah, I think that's a position. I say, yeah, that's not going to happen. The reason why you have this dynamic economy that's $26 trillion yeah. is because you have differences. Yes. Because you have tensions, our diversity is the strength. It is what makes us exceptional. Businesses get that, okay? Most large businesses couldn't tell you the first black employee they hire. You know why? I sell products. I don't know when I hired a black salesman, probably when I figured out that black people buy things, okay? I don't know when I hired a Latino ones. We didn't record that. The market demanded it and therefore we did it. Yeah. Okay, that's data-driven decision-making. And unfortunately, unfortunately, um, that is not what our federal sector has been doing for the last several years. So um, I I think that the ready audience to to answer your question is the private sector. So I take all comers there. Um, I do envision um, morning keynotes, afternoon keynotes, as well as breakout sessions on different themes. We'll probably have seven to eight themes, you know, one being energy and environment. Uh, you have one that are just diversity, equity, inclusion for the practitioners. Mm-hmm. So imagine being a chief diversity and inclusion officer at a company. You want to be with your fellow CDI, CDI, CDEI officers. Yeah. Uh, this is an opportunity for you all to gather and share some best practices. Um, but also an opportunity to to learn about the culture. Because you're right, uh, David, we are so disconnected from the greater narrative that, you know, it, it makes for a very confusing situation. And so if you understand your role in the broader narrative of humanity, hmm. I think that sense of belonging, which is what everybody wants, we, we put a name on, it doesn't really matter. We want to feel like we belong. Yeah it becomes self-evident and, and then, and that powers you to feel like, hey, great, I'm entitled to some richness of this land. Let me go out there and get it. That's what I want people to leave with. And so the every day is geared towards that. My favorite part of each day of the, this uh, festival is that at 5.45 PM, just as the sun is setting over this beautiful, the Caribbean sea is when we turn it up and we have, you know, the festival, every single day, like a carnival, like atmosphere, so live music. So imagine one day you'll have the um, music featuring uh, American artists. So everything from gospel mm-hmm. to jazz, to blues, to hip hop, 
to R&B for the old school lovers like myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you'll have that. The next day is reggaeton, the music of the Caribbean. The next day it's, you know, the music of Brazil. The next... So imagine that surrounded by food, dance demonstrations, and all these amazing people that you mm-hmm. didn't know because they weren't in your breakout sessions, all in the plaza kind of gathering. You do that for a few hours, and then you go off to Old City, a 500-year-old city surrounded mm-hmm. by a 30-foot deep wall, okay, that goes all the way into the ocean and back. Um, and just amazing things in, in that city and they can experience these things together. And so this is, this is going to be, uh, I think, uh, a, a great emotional outlet mm-hmm. for a lot of folks who look like us. Uh, we need this, <laughs> this moment. We need this week to just relax, to exhale. Just, yeah. okay, all right. I don't have to be on 100% of the time this week. Where is the uh, mint pina colada? Thank you. (laughs) By the way, this is Danny. And um, I'm just hearing you explain what will take place each day has gotten me very excited. I love the aspect of of having your key sponsors kicking off each day with a keynote, Mm -hmm. uh, each day having a theme um, and and music and festival and the food. I love the fact that we're going to get a chance to go view the, the, the city. I, I'm at the point now. I, I, I want to say, where, when can Dave and I sign up to be speakers? Because I want to, I want an excuse to be there right now. I, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, the, the website is in progress. The, the marketing pack- package is in progress as well. Uh, hopefully, by the end of November, I'll have uh, a package ready to be able to go out and start, you know, beating on some doors for sponsorships and recruiting um, attendees. But we'll put a placeholder on your calendar. Excellent. For the 20th. It's 15 months from now. Uh, no excuse. Five days, but who's counting? Right. There's no <laughs> excuse now because uh, this is being planned out. There's no excuse for individuals to say, I can't go. Right. Exactly. There's no exactly. excuse for sponsors to say, you know what? I didn't put in the budget. Yeah. No it's, it's, you can either use 2021 money or 2022 money, but you know, we're ready to go. We'll be ready to go. Uh, literally, I have letters of intent at the facility in Cartagena. I have a local company already signed up. I have a contract with them. Um, I'm, I'm bootstrapping this thing. Um, but because, you know, I had a, an exit right in the middle of COVID, I can, I can do these things. So that belief, reinvesting in yourself rather than sitting back saying, oh, let me go buy a house. No, forget that. Let's go and do bigger. Let's go be big. Let's go be epic. Let's let's build a legacy. Right. Something that my daughter can do when I'm in a wheelchair and I'm saying, you know what? When I had my opportunity, I was on stage. I'm glad she's doing it. You know? Love it. Love it. Uh, this is Danny again, guys. I I I am at this point so inspired and so moved that I I can't wait 15 months out. I want to go now. I really yes, do. I just yes. want to go right now. Yes. Uh, you, you said something very um, key, and I, I'm, I'm so in agreement with you on this. When we started the um, Black Channel Partner Alliance, this nonprofit organization, it was because a private organization saw what was happening in America mm-hmm. and said, I want to do something about it. Now, this, this organization valued at, at over a trillion dollars now. And of course, uh, uh, you guys know this company, Bill Gates, Paul Allen was, was, was founders of this organization. And they reached out to the community and said, look, how many of our partners are African-American owned firms? Out of 64,000 partners, they said we have 200, black, 200 that are black owned, less wow. than 0.3%. Wow. And, they, and that, that's, that, they don't even know if they're active. I mean, the real 
active ones that are hitting revenue spend, high revenue spend are less than 15 MSPs. So that's why we had to start this organization. Yeah. And because of that, it was, it was a private organization that said, what do you need from us to make change happen? Mm. And I love that. I love that you are looking yeah. at these organizations and you're saying, look, if change is going to happen, it's going to happen because a private organization and people like myself, we're going to make change happen. Let's not talk about it. Yeah. Let's just not talk about it. Talking is over with. Yep. I agree. Sounding good is done. Yeah, Let's go make it happen right now. So I love that vision that you had. And another thing I want to real say real quick before I let Dave, because I know he has a thousand questions as well. Um, we're, we're a leadership company. Yeah. This is all we do is leadership. And one of the things you stated earlier is that you are working 20 hour days, doing all the, every single decision-making process there is. And you can look at a room and look at the leaders. And if that was one person and that one person, the only one speaking, you know, things are not getting done. Exactly. And so I know that when you build this out, you're going to have some trusted advisors. You're going to have some uh, lieutenants with oh, yes. in order to drive this change, because this, even though it's 15 months out, you can't, you can't wait. You have to start making that happen right now. Absolutely. So as you're getting this going, tell me a little bit about some of the people that have taken your vision and, and they love it. They, they drink it. They eat it every day. Tell me some of those people and their characters and, and why you work well with them. Yeah, so we have a, a broad array of, of steering committee members that are mm -hmm. helping on this. All of us have a mm -hmm. connection to either the Aspen Institute or Brookings or some major think tank. It just all worked out that way. And so we understand convenings. We, we know what that's like to bring leaders together. All of us are also emerging leaders. Uh, we are in the mix, uh, future candidates for, for big time roles leading large organizations. Uh, you have uh, folks that represent the tech sector. Um, two of my folks are just been named to the Biden Harris transition teams awesome. uh, in different departments. And one was a prosecutor um, slash researcher out of New Mexico and the other uh, was working uh, for uh, LinkedIn at Microsoft LinkedIn. And so um, it's a broad array of characters. And I've asked them basically two things. One, um, I need your help with content. Help me think about um, the, the type of compelling content that would drive uh, people's interest to come here. Also, what, what great speakers could we invite mm. to, to lead different portions of this? Wow. Secondly, help me think about uh, sponsors, people I should approach, people that are in your network. Um, and then thirdly, uh, who are the 10 people that you would invite to meet you there? Mm. Uh, that's an old trick we do at uh, another place. It's like, you know, 10 cool people that travel well and that are curious. Well, pitch this to them. You know, this is, this is something that they should join you uh, at uh, because it's going to be this great event. And so it's a motley crew. Uh, we're representing all facets of the country. Um, so it's pretty diverse group. This is, we're modeling what we like to see, right? Um, this diverse group of folks trying to create an event for people interested in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging um, across the hemisphere. And then, and then I have folks actually in the Caribbean, have a person in Brazil that are essentially ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And I've been toying with the idea of creating a diaspora fellows cohort where people, I could base them in all 47 countries of the hemisphere 
just one person and they can help with content. They can help with a variety of things. They can help us actually work to convince the, uh, the festival. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's beyond the scope of year one. Year one, let's just execute. Let's, let's, let's like not lose our shirts here. Execute, uh, execute, execute, execute. Exactly. <laughs> and we can do the add-ons later. But I, I think there's some really promising possibilities with respect to talent. Uh, you know, there's the, the world always needs great talent. And if you, can, if you have one central repository of just great people, that is, worth, that is gold to Microsoft. That's gold mm. to IBM. Anybody that's mm. constantly on a search for talent, if you have gobs and gobs of it in one place that's vetted, that you've had some experience with them, you can speak intelligently about them, you know, that, that's, that's gold for them. And so using them to attract uh, sponsors and then using sponsors to attract participants. I'm trying to create this virtuous circle. Yeah, I love it. And, and I think what's really exciting, Cordell, is your vision of pulling in various sectors and making sure that we can't have a platform for educators, a platform for mm -hmm. business owners, and really just thought leaders from different industries. Mm -hmm. my, my question to you regarding this platform, and we're talking about hearing the beat of the drum, and I love that. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be a sense that this could be too big too soon? Is there going to be a sense that this is going to be a theme that you'll change every year, every quarter? Or how are you approaching this aspect in terms of not letting it get too big too soon, if that makes sense? Right. No, it totally makes great sense. And, uh, you know, my original thought was that every year it would change locations. And uh, I've subsequently had uh, hopefully better, more refined thoughts. And I, I think it may make more sense to be based in Cartagena for uh, maybe one or two years. So like, you know, 2022 through 2024, and then from 2025 to some other time, you're somewhere else in the hemisphere. I, I the original idea was this, this would have been in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Mm. That's, that's where, you know, I thought it'd be the perfect place for it because uh, it's completely bilingual. Um, it's the U.S., but it's not, you know, but because it is the U.S., you have immigration issues, people coming from all over the world where we're going to have visa issues. So you have to go to a place that's a little more accommodating. Sure. And, and frankly, sadly, people don't feel as safe as they used to walking around in the U.S. Um, the images of us being transmitted around the world is of white nationalists patrolling the street with firearms. <clears throat> Okay, that is not a welcoming image to yeah. anyone. And so you had to take that into account and frankly move the entire event out of the continental US because you want people to feel safe. Mm. What a damning statement to say about the world's most progressive democracy. Yeah. But that is our new reality for a while. But hopefully these things will change. I but yeah, I mean, I, I think limiting it to one place. The first couple of years is probably a more efficient strategy to go because we can really refine the product and then move it around. And who, who doesn't want to be in Cartagena in February? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's a great place to be. The weather is fantastic. Right. Beach, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Dave, by the way, and I appreciate you sharing that, Cordell. I think one, one thing I will say that's really enlightening in our conversation, there's many things, but this one here in particular is how we're viewed by the world. And we can be in our own bubble. We can have our own blinders on and assume the world sees us the way we quote unquote want to see ourselves. And it's not the case. And so I'm really glad to hear you looking ahead and realizing that because of where things are currently, 
that we've got to be able to put ourselves in a position where we can celebrate, we can highlight the cultural uh, diversity and the beauty of our people, but we've got to put it in an environment where people can feel safe. So organizations can get involved, so leaders can get involved. And then in turn, I believe we will be able to see this come closer to our soil, right, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But right now, you're still in a lot of what we call the initial planning phases of this event. Mm-hmm. As this gets out in the podcast, I know our listeners are going to be interested. They're going to get their ears peaked here, so to speak. And how are they going to be able to keep up or what, what's going to be a way for them to stay involved other than, you know, let's say Dan and I put it in out there whenever we see a post on your LinkedIn or we see a post on Facebook. What are going to be some ways they can do that or how soon will you be able to get something out there where they can follow? Yeah. yeah, well, as I said, my, my next call is about the website and the branding uh, this morning. And uh, but the website is going to be festivalofthediaspora.org or .com or BIPOCfestival.com or after I have a lot of URLs are all direct to the same place. Uh, but we'll be putting out um, a fair amount of marketing. I mean, a lot of the startup budget is, is just marketing the event. And uh, so they will definitely see us. They, you will see us uh, in your SEO uh, optimization model. You'll see us on the various social media platforms. Um, I'm looking forward to working with a marketing company that's going to help in that endeavor. Awesome. I appreciate that, Cordell. I'll, I'll say this. It's an honor to have you on. We go back many, many years and yes. I'm glad you didn't decide just to kind of go off on a tangent and tell stories of us in high school and tell us apart. And they only knew us when we were together in, or we were apart individually. So I'm glad you didn't go there, but I will say it's been a joy having you here, Cordell. And Likewise. So good to see you all. Thank it's you. I'm great. really glad you're back in the region here. I know that for our audience, they are aware that Danny's in Texas, I'm here in the Baltimore, Maryland market. You're there in, in the DC market and yeah. we're really next door neighbors again. And so I'm yep. really looking forward to getting more time together with you and your family yes. and, and really getting caught up into what your vision is. And as this comes together, when one way or another, Dan, are going to find ourselves down there. Oh and- yeah. I expect y'all to be in Cartagena. <laughs> if we're not keynote speakers, we're going to be dancing and eating yes. the food. So I'll tell you, yes. I know Good. we're two months out. We're there. Good. <laughs> So on behalf of my twin brother and the Twins Talking Up podcast, I want to thank Cordell for joining us today. I'm going to leave some information below in our in our podcast here so you can follow him. You can find him. And as things get updated, we're going to make sure we update our audience as well. So we want to thank Cordell for joining us today. If you yeah. are interested in being a sponsor for the Twins Talking Up program, please look at uh, contact us through our website. Also, you can go to patreon.com forward slash DSB leadership speaking. And if you do decide to become a sponsor, we'll go ahead and open up a commercial spot for you so you can highlight your organization or your service and product. Again, we want to thank Cordell for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you guys all on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.